Merry Christmas. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to grab it. Turn with us to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. So yesterday, my mom came into town and she had bought tickets for our family to get to go see the Christmas Carol. As we were gearing up for the Christmas Carol, I was a little more concerned about uh, how some in my family might respond to the ghosts on stage in the Christmas Carol than I was actually thinking about myself. Uh, not trying to be selfless, I'm just saying I was a little more concerned about reactions to the ghosts. And if y'all know the story of the Christmas Carol, there's this guy who's by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge, yes, and he is miserly. Uh, you know what a miser is, someone who's just wanting to hog everything for themselves. It's where we also get our word miserable from, and he is miserable as he is miserly. His partner had died on Christmas Eve some seven years prior, and it's the story starting on Christmas Eve with his partner showing up and saying, hey, if you don't change the way you're living, uh, not just this life, the life after is going to be more miserable. Now, I need to say out of the gate, that's not what the Bible teaches. You just need to hear that. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And he says, I'm going to send to you three more spirits. There's the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas and the ghost of Christmas future. And so, there's a lot of ghosts in the story. It turns out uh, there was no issues with the ghosts, but I'm sitting there and my, my daughter, who I love, Ellie, was in my lap. And in the ghost of Christmas present, all of a sudden something started happening in my life. I started to be emotionally attached to the story and actually found myself crying in the community theater here in uh, McKinney. Uh, we... we See in the story with the ghost of Christmas present, I can, hey, let's show the picture. This is the ghost of Christmas present showing up on the stage. Uh, there's Scrooge uh, in his bed. He takes him to see the Cratchit family. Bob Cratchit works for him and he does not pay him much because Scrooge is miserly. So the Cratchit family does not have much. And Tiny Tim, uh, that famous character, is in his family and just watching the whole thing play out where their family does not have much food and they're poor and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Lord, there are people like that in our world, in our community. And I, I know we get to, as a church, be part of that. There's different things our family gets to do, but like that moves me. Actually, one of the things that emotionally moves me just as a, a guy, I'll just, is thinking about fathers who are working three or four jobs and have trouble paying for their food for their kids, just thinking about that. So after they have these scenes of Christmas present, uh, the last scene with the, the ghost or the spirit of Christmas present or whatever is when the two children show up. Y'all remember that from under his cloak uh, uh, of ignorance and want and just seeing again the need and thinking, wow, hurting for that. Well, you know the story continues after he sees past, present, future, Scrooge changes and then he goes to help those in need in his community and he moves from being miserly and miserable to being uh, joyful and just generous with his life. 
and watching that play out, like I did, I had not planned to start with this, but I go back home and usually Saturday night after the kids go down, I do a run through of my sermon. And I realize as we, we're walking you through in the book of John, Jesus, six different times in the book of John, he tells us why he came. He tells us in the book of John that Christmas happened on purpose. There was a divine purpose that God had. And he, he tells us in six different ways uh, why he came. And as I, as I set down the study, I start reading this and I see God getting to be in the place of Scrooge at the end of the Christmas carol. I, I, I see God coming into the world in order to step in and meet not just physical, we're going to see physical need met here, but not just physical need, but an inside eternal need in someone's life that God himself had set stuff up to get to be Scrooge at the end of the Christmas not bad Scrooge good Scrooge now some people think all God is is the bad Scrooge I want you to see the beauty of Christmas in this story you with me so far as we've been walking through, the first time Jesus we saw in the book of John told us why he came, he was talking to a very good person on the outside, a man by the name of Nicodemus, who was giving all of his life trying harder to be good. And, and Jesus explained to him, it's not trying hard to be good. I had to be born so that you can be reborn. Y'all remember that? That was the first thing we saw. Last week, we saw him after feeding 5,000 people food. <laughs> they come back the next day, y'all remember this? And Jesus explained, no, I had to be born to satisfy, not just your physical, I had to be born to satisfy your soul. Today, today, Jesus is gonna do something with a blind man. Before I have you stand in honor of God's word as we read, I want you to know that in Isaiah, we read some out of Isaiah, there's so much of the Old Testament that prophesied the coming of Jesus. And what's crazy about these books, and like we have now Qumran predated to, to Jesus ever showing up all of this prophecy. But in Isaiah chapter 35, verse four and five, behold your God will come and save you then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Stand with me in honor of God's word, John chapter nine. As he, this is Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but by the, that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who, what does he say? Jesus is going to try to make a point here that, that he came on purpose. There was a mission that God had for his life. Him who sent me. 
while it was day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am where? And he's in the world because of Christmas. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, the creator of the universe who formed man from dirt spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means what? Sent. He's trying to get, again, there's a purpose. I'm, I'm, I've been sent by God on purpose. So he went and washed, and that man came back, what? Seeing. Pray with me. Uh, you can just sit down if you would like, or if you're able to get on your knees, I want to invite you to that. I know for some that might be weird, but... Oh, Heavenly Father, we approach you today, and God, I want to ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. We want to see you. God, I pray that you would do in this room in a spiritual way what this story is really all about. We'll see real clearly that we, we could see why Jesus was born. God, I pray that this time would be helpful for the people in this room, that this wouldn't just be a, an exercise of, okay, we're at church, there's a guy talking now, that, that Holy Spirit, you would, you would speak through your inspired words and that you would help your people and glorify your son. I want to ask you to pray for me that my words would be clear, that the Spirit would help, that it would, I would teach what the Bible actually says. God, Christ be magnified on the altar of my life right now, Lord. Christ be magnified in me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So Jesus just fulfilled the Messianic prophecy the Messiah would open the eyes of the blind. Now I want you to watch the people around him respond to what he just did. Verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Now to understand a little more what's going on here at this point in time, uh, if you had a significant physical handicap, and we'll see in the story that handicaps, in God's mind, aren't really handicaps at all. They may actually benefit you spiritually. But this man uh, was part of the crowd that would have, because he was blind, to sit and beg, probably right outside of the temple. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And on some level, it's almost like if you were to put Tiny Tim in the Bible, he would, he would kind of fit here. Some said, it is he. Others said, no. 
but he is like him. He kept saying, no, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam, go to Sint and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. <laughs> now, notice the curiosity of the people. They want to see this man who gave sight. Y'all see, they want to see, they're asking, asking about it. He says what happened. They said, well, where is he? We want to see him. Verse 13. They brought to the, what's the word there? Pharisees, if you've been with us in the series a few weeks ago, we saw one of these guys. These are the people that were really good at trying to be good in the Bible. They were the religious leaders trying to apply, and yes, it was a legalistic way, but they were trying to apply all that they had in the Old Testament in such a way that, well, I don't want to give away the story. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. There's going to be in this story not just a blind man who's able to see. There's going to be someone in the story, in fact more than someone, there's some ones in the story that are not able to see the one who has given sight. And as we keep going, I, I want to just invite you to ask in your heart, why were the Pharisees not able to see Jesus. Now when I say see, they could physically see, they're gonna be pushing hard back on the fact that he's given sight. This man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what did you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, oh, what do you say about him? He said, he is a prophet. Now verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. It's almost like the reverse of a parent dedication. Like they asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. Notice the reason why his parents would not say who opened his eyes. Verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, 
For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Hey, so far, do you see why the Pharisees have not been able to see Jesus? I mean, one, they're, they're, they're legalistically interpreting their, their view of what the Bible says in such a way that anyone outside of that, they're, they're, they're not even listening to on any level. Sabbath, he disobeyed, no. They've already predetermined whether or not they're gonna open their hearts to Jesus. Anyone who opens their hearts to Jesus is gonna get kicked out of the synagogue. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. How do they know that? Verse 25, one of my favorite verses in the whole book of John. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now, what's the words? I see. Hey, I, I, I want to stop here for just a second and, and just say, hey, during this Christmas season, uh, you're going to be with different people. In fact, there's some here in the room who don't see Jesus as Savior. And one of, if not the greatest apologetic for our faith I mean, there's a whole lot out there. You can send them to study the historicity of Jesus' life, death, and even resurrection. There's a lot, of, but the, the greatest one of, maybe the greatest apologetic of the Christian faith is your transformed life. This cannot be argued with. I was blind, now I see. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you know that's true in your own life. It's true in my life. God has, through his son, changed my life. And maybe for you, over the next few weeks, with friends or family, there can be an opportunity for you to say, I was blind, now I see. Verse 26. They said to him, what did he do to you how did he open your eyes he answered them I've told you already and you would not listen why do you want to hear it again do you also want to become his disciples I love this a disciple is someone who lives and loves like the rabbi he knows that they've already made this rule that anyone who acknowledges Jesus as he's going to be kicked out of the synagogue and he says why are you wanting to know so much about Jesus like do you want to live in love like Jesus too verse 28 and they reviled him saying you are his disciples are his disciple but we are disciples of Moses we know that this God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Again, referencing Christmas, Jesus, where would he come from? 30, the man answered, why this is an amazing thing. You do not, okay, I wanna, there's iron, the Bible is just awesome. This is, 
the irony in this story just jumps off the page. Like there's a blind man who can now see and then there's people who think they see but they're blind. But there's never discussion around him receiving his sight being amazing. He says, you know what's amazing? That the people who think they know all the religious answers can't see. Y'all see it? Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. Again, Christmas, Jesus pre-existed. He came from God, where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, when he was born in that manger, he came down from above, if he was not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us and they cast him out. Hey, again, I need to note here, because it comes up twice in the passage, the, the, the people at this point in time, they actually thought from religious teaching that was national for Israel in the Old Testament, that if you were experiencing in your life pain, then that, that was a result of your sin or the sin of your parents. And so they actually thought if you have a handicap, it means you're sinning or your, your parents sinned, did something really bad. And you just side note, if you want to go back up to the beginning of chapter 9, it's very clear Jesus' disciples asked the same question and Jesus said, no, the handicap, which is in the mind of God, not really a handicap, we'll see, it's actually something that's going to benefit him. You not being able to see or do or run or what, it's, it, God's work being displayed in you was set up, it was not because of your sin. These people are not able to see Jesus. They, they try to justify and push back against the evidence that's right in front of them because of their own spiritual pride. Do y'all see it? The, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Wow. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? talked about this a few weeks ago because Jesus brought Son of Man up with Nicodemus twice. Son of Man was the prophecy in Daniel that God would send someone from above that would reveal God to man here on earth and that person was called the Son of Man. So he tells the man who had given sight to, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. Wow, what a moment of scripture. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. 
This man, Jesus healed physically, but not just physically. He did something in his life to display through his life who he was to his life and to others like me and you. Verse 38, again, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Has that ever happened in your life? If not, you need to keep reading. Watch why Jesus was born. Verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world. I came into the world. If you want to put a Christmas tree in your margin, this is just blatant. Here's when, when I came into the world, when Christmas happened. For judgment I came into the world. What kind of judgment? Well, he's going to tell us that. That. This that and the original language, this is the henna clause, this is the big alarm that goes off, it's the so that, it's the in order that, this is the big why. I came into the world, why? Why did I come into the world? That those who do not see may what? See. And those who see may become what? Blind. I've asked the guys here in the room to turn off all the lights. We're going to leave them off here for just a second because I want you to think about not being able to see. Now we have some in the room right over here that hear also through seeing. And we're so glad that you're with us, okay? But think for just a moment about not being able to see. You know, the Bible talks a lot about this. In Isaiah, again, the prophecy of the coming Messiah says those who walk in darkness have what? Seen a great light. Why was Jesus born? Jesus was born so that he could give sight Jesus was born to give sight, but this passage is going to show us not just to give sight. Jesus was born to give sight to those who know that they're blind. Now, this, this may feel like a real conflict in Jesus was born to give sight to those who know they are blind. And here, here's what the, the passage shows. For those that know you're blind, uh, turn on just the Christmas lights for a second, guys. When Jesus came, he, for those that know they're blind, he lit up our world to show us who he was. But some, some will never see him because they think in spiritual pride Oh, I can see everything already. You're like, hey, where is this in the text? I can't read out my Bible, so I'll just read on screen. Go back to that verse that I just read. I think that's 30, yeah, 39. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may what? And those who see, at least think they do, may become blind. Keep going with me. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? I mean, they recognize he's calling them out. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. 
Why? Because they would see and believe. But now that you say we see your guilt, what? Wow. Okay. You can turn up the lights all the way, guys. What is Jesus doing here? Hey, in love, can I push into your life for just a second? We are living right now in a culture that is affirming spiritual pride. What do I mean by that? The the louder your voice saying, I know all the right answers already is applauded. And and it's, it's like pride is a good thing on some level. I've got it figured out. Don't attempt to show me anything else. And that looks like a blind Pharisee to me. Do you know the wisest man who ever lived, his name was Solomon, wrote in Proverbs 26, 12 these words. Do you see a man who is wise in his own what? Eyes. There is more hope for a fool than for him. But you know what's scary about this? This, this? this conversation is about more than physical sight. Y'all know that, right? This is about spiritual sight that separates these people from the abundant life that can be found in Christ that starts here now and lasts for eternity and they can't see it. Why? They think they know it all. When they see the evidence to who Jesus is, they try to disprove it. They they fight against it in their legalism and in their pride. Do you know, do you know, Matthew chapter five, verse three, said, blessed are the poor in what? Spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Some people, some people, if you're new to church, some people actually think what Christians believe is that they're better than everybody else. No. That's what the enemies of Jesus believed. Luke chapter five, Jesus says it this way, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick Jesus again referring to Christmas here says, I have come, I have come to call the, not to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. If you're walking with us through the family Advent, uh, we do the Advent blocks. Last night's Advent block reading as our family was together after the Christmas carol, I mean, everything's kind of colliding. It's, it's funny how the Spirit of God does this, right? He's always trying to teach you the same thing over and over and over again. The Advent block reading last night was about David. And in the Advent block reading, they were pointing out to uh, the reader and those going through Advent that David was the man considered a man after God's own heart in Scripture. And David was an adulterer and a murderer. How do those things go together? Here's how they go together. When David had someone correct him in his sin, you can read the story later if you want to do it. A man by the name of Naaman comes and tells him a story and he realizes, instead of in his spiritual pride saying no, he says, 
oh. And his eyes open and he realizes, have mercy on me, oh God. According to your great compassion, won't you blot out my transgression and wash away all my iniquity? Cleanse me from my sin, for I know that my transgression and my sin are always before me against you, and you alone have I sinned, oh God. He wrecked, instead of pushing back and saying no, his eyes open. He recognized he was blind in his blindness. Why was Jesus born? Jesus was born to give you sight. Jesus was born to give you sight. Amazing grace. You know, right? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm what? I once was blind, but now I see. This is our story, right? Our story is one of realizing, God, apart from Jesus, I am nothing. But you, I once was blind, now I see. Now I see. Now I see. Sometimes I think, sometimes I think that those who are going through hardship have the opportunity to see Jesus. I said earlier, in scripture, I don't think handicaps are really handicaps. In fact, I'll talk to people often that say, hey, no, God gave me this so that I can be closer to him, whatever that is. This is a gift from God to me. And I'm thinking sometimes like, what? How can that be? How can that be a gift from God to me? Those who realize, they realize they're blind. Where is that in your life? Jesus was born to give you sight. So, when I got home last night, again, after the Christmas Carol, uh, my youngest daughter and I have been reading through the Christmas Carol, and she gave me this book for my birthday, which is awesome. I read out of the two scenes that impacted me most in the story yesterday. And as I was reading, Bob Cratchit speaks of Tiny Tim. And watching Tiny Tim's life, and as he does, well, I'll just read it for you. Somehow, he gets thoughtful. Sitting by himself so much, and he thinks the strangest things you ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple and it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. God, I pray that we would be a church defined not by people who in their spiritual pride think we know everything and, and, and correct everyone. But, but uh, yes, we have truth and it's your son Jesus. And that in your son Jesus, that we could be able to recognize our blindness and see through the spiritual sight he gives what you have done for us on the cross. And God, that we would be a church family who would run into our community and would say with the blind man, I once was blind, right? But now, 
I see. Help us, God, for your glory. Let's stand together. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace, twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed and my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Sing unending love, unending love, amazing grace. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.